0: Hello and welcome to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, Wayne Will. I'm joined by producer and co-host, Alex Wong. We are two-thirds of The Raptor Show. Blake Murphy, still a James man for now, but, uh, you know, he will join us uh, on the show later on uh when the J season wraps up but for now we are live uh from a undisclosed hotel in downtown toronto alex stopped trying to reveal where uh media day is for the toronto raptors and uh yeah we have a very special show for you today we have uh jacob pertle joining us uh in about 15 minutes and uh then we'll go to break and then we got oj anobi joining us after that
1: but alex how you doing man I'm good, man. We're live here at Media Day. We're here at the lobby of a undisclosed hotel location, yep downtown. and you know Jeff down Jr. just walked by. you know, a lot of the players obviously on Media Day are getting their photos, videos in. so um yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun setup. We're here in the open. maybe people will drop by. You know, had a chance to catch up with Messiah and Bobby we did earlier, so right. you know maybe maybe they'll drop by. Who knows? You know what I mean?
0: I mean, I would say they caught up with us because you know we didn't go over there all thirsty and trying to be like, hey, you know, what's all the Dame rumors? Uh, except we did do that, and uh, no, it was cool though. Um, y- you want to pass along the one shout out for your book? Yeah, so, you know,
1: as, as people might know, you know, I've got a, a new Raptors book um, coming out, October 24th, prehistoric. And I offered Messiah a copy and, and uh, you know, he politely declined and said that he won't read any book without um, himself in it. So that's fair. Uh, that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, let's let's get right into it. I think a lot of people coming off the offseason for the Toronto Raptors with Fred leaving with. You know, the new coach, uh, Darko Ryakovich, replacing Nick Nurse. And, of course, the Raptors being involved in the Dame Lillard trade rumors over the past few weeks. You know, those are the top of questions in mind. And I think with every media day, you know, Masai is always the the main character uh, Mm. of this day, right? Like, you want to hear what he has to say. I think he often sets the tone for the direction of the franchise, the direction uh, on the season. And, you know, one of the first questions he was asked was, of course, to evaluate the team's summer. And he talked about, you know, being good—that you know, change is good, bringing in new energy, and that there's different approaches to this team, um, in terms of whether to tear down the roster or continuing with the team that was there. Talked a little bit about Fred too, and maybe we could start there. You know, we talked about not trading Fred at the deadline, and he said, "Quote, if it was a failure, we take responsibility for it." Also talked about how it comes down to the respect for the player. You know, maybe insinuating that you know maybe they had an offer to send him somewhere that maybe he didn't want to go. Um, etc. What, what did you make of these comments from, from Masai before we dive deeper?
0: Yeah, well, I'll just say the, the mood overall uh, from this media day, if I had to put one word on it, was just kind of angsty. I think there's there's a lot of ang- anxiety around the Raptors. I know, um, obviously, us in the media fans have been agitating in terms of what's the direction of this team. And I think we got a little bit closer to the answer to that. We'll get to that. Um, but, yeah, that was kind of the tone. It was, you know, starting with Masai at 9.30, Um, This is probably the most I've seen him get peppered with questions uh, in a more direct and a more aggressive way. Pretty much since the time he traded for Kawhi Leonard back in 2018. You remember that interview that he did at that time? He was sweating on that podium because everyone was grilling him about why did you trade DeMar DeRozan? How could you do this? And look, I think the big difference here is he did not have a Kawhi Leonard that he just traded for. Obviously, there'd be a totally different mood if that happened. Uh, but it was it was fairly adversarial. It was fairly angsty. And, yeah, I think it started right away with the Fred comments um, right there. And to me, I'm a little bit confused uh, when he says that because to me it seems like you know, if you, for example, wanted to show the respect to the player, that sounds like if that's a two-way street, maybe can you work out a sign-and-trade, for example. We've seen that, for example, with Kyle Lowry, right? Kyle Lowry walked to the end of free agency, and obviously that was different. Kyle was in a different phase of his career. They're coming off the Tampa season, but they had walked through that trade deadline knowing that they could work out a sign-and-trade at the end of that, and they did so in that offseason by getting, obviously, Raptors uh, fan favorite Goran Dragic. Uh, no, I'm kidding. And then also Precious Achua, which was obviously the big part of that deal. We didn't see that in this case. And so that was one of the reasons why, you know, this offseason was so confusing to a lot of people. It's like, if you didn't trade him at the trade deadline, how did you not get anything for him, uh, you know, in, in a sign of trade in the offseason? Now, obviously, we know why he left. We know that Houston uh, came through with an offer that I don't think anywhere else was even close to offering that. I know Toronto was not close to offering the max for Fred Van And, um, you know, so that happened. But that's something you could have maybe foreseen even heading into the offseason, right? That's where you pay these executives all this money is to have a long-term plan, to think ahead, to foresee some of these issues. And so I think that's where a lot of that discussion of where the direction of the team materialized because I think based on the actions of the team, it hasn't really been at all very, very inspiring, especially because most of the conversations, especially when Masai takes the podium, has been of a negative um, connotation. There's a lot of talk about selfishness. We'll get to that as well. Uh, but yeah, my overall vibe is just—it was very angsty, and uh, we'll get into a lot of those reasons.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that's a fair way to describe what the mood was, you know, when Masai took the podium and I think you make a really good point too you know we remember Masai at the end of the season when he came you know to the podium you know addressed the media and and one of the things he talked about was like hey listen like we don't have to make all the moves that we need at the trade deadline we now have the summer Um, you know he he made some comments about not really you know believing in free agency anymore because most players move in trade which I think he made a good point because you know the Dave Lillard thing I think is the perfect example of that right and we just saw uh, Kevin Durant last year move as well with like multiple years left on his contract, but I think the angst, like you mentioned, just comes from, okay, like you know, from the trade deadline to the summer you've kept talking about these opportunities that are going to come up, and now you've put yourself again in a situation where there's a lot of questions about your own player there's a lot of questions about the players on the roster that are heading to free agency Um, so it's interesting, you know, Masai was asked, um, you know, early on in the presser to really summarize how he felt the team's uh, summer went and here's a clip of what he said.
2: I think it has gone good. I think um, We're always going to be a patient team Uh we're always going to have a patient front office uh, Well, we're always going to take I think um, The opportunities sometimes that uh, come with us uh, come at us, but um, These things are gradual and I think um, drafting uh, Grady was good for us i think um replacing fred with dennis schroeder who had a great summer was was good for us so i think we got better uh, that way and um we'll continue to uh, think of the things that we could do better uh, with the team with the opportunity that comes
1: yeah so when you hear that quote about them being a patient team them waiting for opportunities i don't know if that's what people wanted to hear today because this has been the rhetoric right sure yeah so how do you how do you take it when masai talks about the summer in
0: that way to me i think it's reflective of their approach for the last couple of seasons where i think they would like for the market to dictate their direction rather than for them to dictate their own direction and then go into the market with that set sort of plan right So, in this case, you know, you look at their conversations with Portland uh, over the summer. And, you know, around the time of the draft, Portland calls Toronto and says, Hey, you know, what can we do? Can we potentially get in for Pascal? Can we potentially get in for uh, OG? Um, And they're trying to buy from the Raptors. And then you fast forward a couple of months to the last few weeks, and Toronto's calling them about, Can we get Damian Lillard off your hands? That doesn't suggest to you that there is one strong path but again it's really dependent on sort of what the offers are and i think that's that's the thing that messiah talked about a lot today so what are the opportunities that were out there and clearly they didn't see a deal they liked they didn't see a deal that they liked um you know i I like for example he confirmed in the dame lillard trade rumors which we'll get to later on the show as well but you know og was not in that deal right and and so you do wonder how much you know toronto put into that potential package but at the same time the overall vibe is that they want to see what the best deals are and if they see a really great deal to win now they'll take it if they see a really great deal out there that makes a lot of sense to them to rebuild now they might take that as well right so i think the frustrating part is before any of that actual action takes place before any deals are consummated uh we just kind of get left in this bit of a limbo and i think i'm curious um what darko what the rest of the team is going to do in that limbo, right? Yes, I understand that there might be changes down the line. Who knows if another star becomes available, you know, it's the NBA that's inevitable. Another guy is going to ask out, and Toronto will undoubtedly be involved in those conversations. But for now, with the team that we got, what does that look like? Can we make them play more together? Can we fix some of the chemistry issues? Can we root out some of the unselfishness? And if the roster is what it is for now, can we make the best of that? Because if you're going to want to make a trade, you want to buff up the value of your players as much as possible by winning as much as possible. At least that's my, in my opinion. So I'm curious to see that aspect as well, to actual on-court stuff, because we talk so much about the potential moves and this thing that might happen, that other thing that might happen. I'm also very invested in what I might see 82 games of this year. Right. And what does this roster look like? Because there's a lot of questions on that front, too. And I think Masai opened some of those conversations, too. Right. He he, he kind of really he's really backing Darko to bring in a change. And when he was asked about, is there, you know, how do you solve the selfishness on this team? He said, point blank, there will be no selfishness on this team. And that was as close to the classic Masai Jerry mic drop that you would typically get in these kinds yeah, of Yeah, that scenarios. sounds like some CEO talk
1: to me, though. Yeah? Like, in okay. terms of just, like, not, not to be a Draymond, you know, attending an Apple, gotcha. you know, convention, but it's like... You tell me Masai's trying to sell us to 100. Oh, I Shouts just... Succession. <laughs> I just don't think... I just don't think... You can talk about all the selfishness issues that were clearly there last season Uh and then turn the page with a roster that you would say you know outside of the subtraction of fred and the additions like a lot of the core players are still here right Mm -hmm. you talk about pascal you talk about og you talk about scotty um you know and all these guys and it's like for i just think it feels very definitive to to sit there and just say that yeah like um there will be no selfishness this year i think that has to be a process and that has to be a process that listen I give Masai the benefit of the doubt on media day because, number one, what else are you going to say? And number two, like, not everything is going to be fixed today. Like, there's training camp. There's obviously the regular season to get into. And, like you mentioned, what Darko... Uh, this role is going to be in kind of rooting out the selfishness, getting them to play a different way. And honestly, I've always said I put it on the players as well, right? Mm, Like, it's on the players. These players always talking about wanting, you know, new contracts, wanting to succeed, wanting to be in these positions. Like, they've got to be on a successful team to maximize their own value too, right? So I'm just skeptical about that, not that, like, I'm saying that this is gonna be a selfish team this season, but it's just let's just wait and see on that. Let's yeah. just wait and see how the players buy in because I think one of the other most interesting topics of the day is just like the players being asked about building a new relationship with a new coach, right? right like like right. we we gotta figure that out. And I think that moves us kind of to the topic about Pascal, which I really think is the biggest topic I agree. of, of I agree. today. Yep. Um, you know, Pascal was asked a lot of questions about, you know, the the, the new team, you know, obviously the coach. Um, let, let, let's play this clip first from Masai. You know, Masai talked about was asked about the ongoing, um, you know, contract extension talks, and he basically said that you know there is communication between the two sides, but they haven't talked officially about a contract extension yet. Um, and, and when he was asked about, um, you know, asked a follow-up question about why a player of Pascal's caliber has not been signed to an extension yet, here's what Masai had to say:
2: We do believe in Pascal. Uh, we do believe that. Um, a lot of our players didn't play the right way um, last year and we want to see them play the right way. I said it that we were selfish. I'm not running away from that. Uh, we were selfish and we did not play the right way. So let us see it when we play the right way.
0: Yeah. Um, so I think first off, I've already seen the reaction to this and sort of how it was framed. I think I don't think it's wrong in the sense that um, a lot of people have linked that to the idea that you know pascal did not play the right way at least that's what people are saying that messiah said in this context are you reading it that way that's how it's being phrased that's how it's being framed online okay. that's sort of the the takeaway and i think uh, having seen that you know us getting to chat with messiah afterwards too i don't think that that was some sort of call out that messiah was doing no i think and i think it's very important to contextualize it Um, in in the way that I think he really means because what the Raptors are trying to do right now is they brought in a new head coach they are trying to change the vision and the style of play that they have that's why you bring in a coach that's number one right Mm -hmm. and just like anything else you want to see how a player would fit into that that's not to say that like you know if they want to play this unselfish basketball they want to play point five basketball um, and so you know Pascal automatically doesn't have a chance to fit into that, he's gone, right? I think that's the automatic jump that people are taking. And I'm not even saying that that's a wrong conclusion because you can make those jumps. There is a logical basis to connect some of those points. But I think that is a little bit cynical, too, because you have to give the player that opportunity to grow and improve. But we know that Pascal's is not a perfect player, right? We know that Pascal can continue to improve. And if, there's a, if you're a really great player, you can adapt and play to different styles based on what the coach needs from you. And I think Pascal backed it up as well. Obviously, he pushed back on the idea that he's a selfish player. I don't think he's a selfish player. I don't think that the numbers suggest he's a selfish player. Uh, and he himself, obviously, would push back on that. I don't think any player would ever go onto the public forum and be like, yeah, I'm a selfish player. You know what I mean? Like, that would be wild. I would love to see that happen. But, you know, I, I think the bigger context is just it's a bit of a challenge, right? You're challenging the star of the team to improve and take another step up in his game. And I think that's how he wanted to come across in that sense. It sounds way worse when you link the two thoughts together and you apply sort of, um, again, it, it, to me, it, in my opinion, that's a little cynical to just directly apply those things. But at the same time, I think that is something that, you know, the Raptors are looking for, right? How does any player fit into the new vision of this team? If they fit, you keep them. If you don't fit, you move on You try to look for a better fit. Is that not somewhat reasonable in terms of management? There's other stuff that we can get into in terms of just you know the contractual situation with Pascal Siakam. I've already said previously on this show that I think that they should lock him into the non-Supermax extension. Supermax is too rich for me, uh, but if you're talking about non-Supermax, I think that he's proven to be worth that as a player. His production has been really strong over the years, and he is in the prime of his career. You lock up his prime years, that sounds like a great idea for me personally. Uh, but at the same time, if they want to go into the season and see how everything fits with Darko, with the new vision, and they're backing Darko to that degree, then I'm curious to see how it goes. And at that point, we can really fully assess, right? You know, we can really fully assess at that point.
1: Yeah, I think two points there. You know, To, to the first point, like I did not read those comments as Masai directing them like, directly at Pascal. I think he was just making right. a point about the overall team. Um, and I guess it doesn't matter if he's directing it at, at him or not. Like, you know, obviously they're going to have to figure, you know, the team out this season. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know, man. You call me crazy. But it's like if I'm saying I'm like I'm looking at it from Pascal's perspective. Yeah. Like the team's talking about like we want to see how he fits in mm-hmm. with our new coach, um, a first time NBA head coach. Like I am an all NBA player. You know, I've played at a certain level where I deserve to be paid and it's not even he's like you mentioned like the supermax conversation like i think pascal's willing to sign a contract extension by all accounts by all reports like even from our you know sports own like michael grange he's talked about it that pascal's willing to sign this contract extension that's at a reasonable price right and it's Mm -hmm. like at some point when does it matter for the organization to just take care of its top player right like like for me like i'm sitting there like that like sitting there i don't care that pascal was involved in trade rumors in atlanta with atlanta and stuff that stuff happens right raptors are a team in flux every player is probably available and and you're starting to hear more about this stuff but it's Mm -hmm. like to not have those conversations you know officially be brought to the table yet and and for me it's like if i was in pascal's position like it it would actually bother me that you're actually talking about how i'm gonna look in a system with a new rookie nba head coach. Where it's like, no, like, I'm just going to be part of the system. I'm the best player on this team. Like, it should be the other way around. Like, there shouldn't be those questions.
0: I hear you. I hear you. And I don't think that that's um, unreasonable. I think that's a very normal and a human response, especially based on sort of the things that he's done here. But I mean, at the same time, there is a common ground to be found, right? And that's so much of the importance of management. How do you get people with people with their own different agendas putting it together and getting them to align and work in the same way. And I think for me, there has to be some middle ground there where they can agree, like, yes, Pascal, we value you. We we see your potential. Or we see your production. We respect that. And we want to reward you because we know that you are of this quality and you've shown it to us year after year. But at the same time, we want to do this new thing and we want to make sure that everything fits into this new thing as well. Right? Is is That's not... I mean, as long as that's communicated and as long as everyone's able to sit down, agree and, and, and really, really hammer it out, I, I don't I don't necessarily see why that's the wrong approach. Like, yes, it's, you can take that jump and say, well, you know, how are you going to tell me as the star player? You're the rookie coach. I mean, honestly, like th- th- I think that w- I would look a little bit down on a player who would kind of react in that way to towards management, because I- you're thinking about this, right? Let's say Kawhi Leonard came in that 2018 year, and he says, I'm the star player. Nick Nurse is a rookie head coach. I don't care what he has to say. Uh, that might have taken place during the season. We actually we actually right. don't know that. But, but uh, I mean, I'm just saying, like, there has to be some openness to sort of yes, I get, I get your point. working within I get, the framework. I get your point. That, that's all. But and I think, it's not like, let, let's be honest, it's mm-hmm. not like this is a championship contender year in, year out. We don't want to change anything. They're clearly wanting to change something, and they want to just make sure That that is, you know, handled in the right way. However, my concern, and that's my question to Masai, was if you leave this sort of open and hanging and you move forward, when you get down to the trade deadline, if you do decide to pivot in a way where it's like, you know what, this actually isn't going to work out, we got to pivot and and move off of it, like, aren't you going to get less value? At yeah. that point, right? Well, Aren't this, you losing a as a character right Yeah, this now? was a question that was
1: asked, right? I but, think this was uh, a question by that was asked by, by, yeah. <laughs> by Will Lou yeah, of the Raptors yeah. I
0: was also part of the press Sorry, conference. Sorry,
1: uh, I just treat every single media member that's, as the exact all, same. All good, all good. Um, so does so the front I, office, by <laughs> They had a lot of gripes, but that's fine. I thought you made a really good point uh, when you asked that question. Yeah. And this is my bigger concern because, like, I'd be okay if Pascal was the, only, um, was the only kind of, like, question mark coming into the season. And we will continue this conversation because Jakob Pertl has come to the set to join us now. Yeah. So I'm going to pass the mic on to, to Jakob, and, and uh, he's going to chat uh, with Will
0: for a little bit. All right. This is live radio. This is what happens. We have a whole conversation about Pascal <laughs> and, and the system, and then, you know, we have an NBA player joining us. Jakob Pertl joining us. You know, first off, welcome back to the Raptor Show. This Thank is the you. third time. Since mm-hmm. you've been traded back to Toronto, where you've been back on the show, you, you're like, <laughs> I'm a veteran. You're a veteran. You're genuinely a veteran. So, um, yeah. So first off, you know, I just wanted to start here. Like, how was how was the off season? Like any 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 highlights for you? Any trips that you took? Anything like that?
3: Um, the off season was good um, for me. Just getting getting an opportunity to go home, um, spend time with family and go. friends there, uh, has been great. Um, obviously, like there's there's a little bit of time for some trips as well. Uh, yeah. I went to, to Greece with some friends for for a little bit. Uh, I went to Paris for a weekend. Wow. So uh, yeah, it's it's nice to be able to have those like off periods as well between the, the workouts and uh, the grind that is like part of the off season as well. But um, being able to kind of set your schedule in a way to get a little bit of time away from everything as well. That's fair. Uh, you know, I see, so Pascal goes to Austria a lot,
0: mostly because of the Red Bull connection, obviously. Um, do you ever link up with Pascal when he's in Austria? Because it's kind of weird. Like that's your boy, and that that's that's where you're from, obviously.
3: Yeah, that's where I'm from, and that's where I spend the majority of majority of my off season. But he just never managed to be there when I'm oh, actually okay. there. Oh, mm. uh, okay. Right. He he gave me a little bit of uh, stick about it on on social media this summer, uh, even though he knew I wasn't going to be there. I told him ahead of time when I was yeah. in Austria and when I wasn't in Austria, and he decided to come. Exactly. How that exactly. Time. When I was on vacation, so got you. He just, you know, you know, how he is. He he posts a lot of stuff. Like he he likes to call people out. But yeah, he, well, you know,
0: he's big time now. <laughs> yeah, know, he, he is. He's a, he's a star he, now. He's in It's, big it's time. different. Yeah. Um, okay. Let, let's talk about basketball a little bit. So, you know, Darko um, said in a recent interview that you know he sees the offense in your hands a little bit more as a creator, um, and and even watching something like I know this. You know, Rico Hines runs or whatever, like that's not truly indicative of a Raptors practice or anything like that. But even in those runs, you see you having the ball a lot more. So I want to ask you, like, what spots on the floor do you like to have the ball in your
3: hands and sort of how has that led to success for your team in the past? Um, that's, that's difficult, especially in a more, more play making role. I think the the most common spots are like somewhere top of the key or maybe in the high post areas. And okay. that's very similar to kind of what our, our system, I think, is going to look like as well. Um, So when I catch the ball in those kind of situations, it's about me trying to figure out uh, the best way to make the right reads as in like how I can get our team's offense going. Um, And then also trying to be aggressive out of it, uh, keeping the defense honest. uh, um, Yeah. Basically it just comes down to making the right reads in those situations. Um, And I think I have a little bit of experience with that. We played a similar style in San Antonio for a couple of years. um, And um, there was even some situations last year, a couple of like um, out of timeout plays where I, I would catch the ball on the high post and we'd have different sort of screen settings for, for guys cutting to, the, cutting to the basket that we had a, a good amount of success with. So um, just building on top of that, um, I think um, should, be, should be good. Yeah, um, speaking to that point,
0: actually, I remember one of my favorite you know, common plays that you guys would run. Last year, that felt really satisfying was you know like like you mentioned on a off a dead ball, they'd inbound to you at the top of the key, and someone will set a back screen for OG cutting back door, and, and you had a real habit, a real knack for finding him on those lobs and dunks. So you know I, I hope he's thankful of all this.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, we we developed that chemistry pretty quickly. It's it's not a very difficult pass because the guy's a freak of nature and and just like okay yeah yeah fair. he's he's got a little bit of bounce to him but he's also very physical so it really doesn't matter if there's like a smaller guy right there he'll mm. just jump right over through him so yeah it's really just about me getting the ball in like semi good area uh so uh, a lot of credit to og on those plays but yeah uh like i said i think we found a way to uh develop that chemistry pretty quickly and hopefully yeah we can build on that well i, I think You
0: know that's that unselfish nature that i think everyone's been really talking about right you talking about the fact that these are great these are dimes from your end but you're giving all the credit to og but you know this is part of your natural unselfishness like this has always been sort of obviously we saw you here in toronto as a rookie and then obviously you've come back to the team but this is how you've always been you've always been sort of this naturally unselfish (laughs) kind of figure and you know I i guess you'd be almost the wrong person to ask about this but maybe you're the right person to ask about this but like where do you see unselfishness sort of show up like on a basketball we're not even speaking generally about the rap because you're obviously not gonna call out anything like that but like in
3: general just speaking about
0: basketball where do you see unselfishness manifest
3: i mean what it comes down to is um making the winning play over making the play that might make yourself look the best i guess okay. i think that's the core of like being unselfish and um it's about understanding what that is, and then also like committing to that, like having that trust in your teammates sure. um i think uh, it's, not, it's not it's an easy thing to say it's it's a lot more difficult to actually do it on the court because um yeah there's a lot more pressure there's um the timing has to be right. Like there's, It's it's, it's not that easy. Um, so, yeah, hopefully hopefully we can incorporate that more and more into our play style. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're hoping to see that,
0: too, because that seems to be, like, the predominant conversation. But I, I think obviously everyone's in favor of unselfishness. But I think there are obviously at times in the offense where things break down, 10 seconds, the advantage, or the defense is really, you know, snuffed out everything and someone has to go and create an action. So I guess when – what is that right balance
3: between striking aggressiveness versus striking you know in the team play i mean it's it's kind of like like i said earlier like it's it's about finding that winning play and and if in that situation the winning play is for you to go by yourself and try and get a bucket or just be aggressive and and just do it on your own like then that's the unselfish play sure in in that situation and that comes down to experience that comes down to Different players' skill sets. Like uh, if Pascal has the the ball in like a mid post area, like mm-hmm. um, it makes more sense for him to go one on one than than maybe some of our other guys on the team sure. uh, because he's he's very talented there. He's he's very skilled, uh, shot maker in those situations. So uh, yeah, just understanding the the different um, game situations and understanding your own skill set. And uh, like I said, trying to make the best read out of that, I think is what it comes down to. Right. I mean, I'm happy you brought up Pascal because I think this
0: is one of the emerging conversations that came out of Media Day so far between Pascal's press conference, Darko's press conference, Masai's press conference. Would you Would you say that Pascal has a selfishness to his game at all or no? Because he pushed back very hard on this idea.
3: <laughs> um, no, I, I, I wouldn't call it selfishness. Like, like I said, I think... Um the selfishness comes into play when when you're trying to make plays uh when you're trying to force plays that might be unnatural to like your game or like might break like a team's rhythm yeah right so um as long as you have an understanding of like what what's the right read what's the right okay, and there's no 100 percent right or wrong answer sure, in these course. situations like yeah. there's some gray area there's definitely but um understanding the game getting a, a feel for that, Um, and and I think Pascal has a pretty good feel for stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, he's more of a a one-on-one player than than most of the guys on our team, so he's going to be in these situations a lot more than most other guys where he's just going to have the green light to be able to go, and and for somebody from the outside looking in, it might look a little bit more selfish, but I I really don't think that's that's the case, because I know Pascal's the type of player when he still has the ability, even in those one-on-one situations, to find the right play, and like maybe even ends up being a pass instead of uh, him trying to get a bucket.
0: Yeah, no, I, I appreciate your perspective on that because I um, actually remember back when I ran, like, my own little YouTube channel, I actually put together this highlight clip of just and skills because you guys had a real knack for finding each other, right? Pascal will we'll pass you a ton. This is back in, like, 2017, 18, yeah. and, and you would find him a ton now. I feel like now you find him a little bit more than he finds you, but at the same time, like, you guys have always had that kind of chemistry. And I, I'm, I'm wondering about one of the other concerns about the team is is the spacing, right? People think about, like, well, teams don't, where teams go under sometimes on Pascal, teams go under and sometimes on Scotty. Uh, and then you don't have the ball enough for, for guys to go under on you. You can't really go under against a big like that. But, you know, again, like, you're not, obviously, you're not stretching out to the three-point line. What would you say towards that sort of concern about spacing? Or maybe this is more of a question for Darko, but I, I'd love to hear your perspective too.
3: Um, I mean, we're going to have to see how the, how the season goes, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, we are a more paint dominant team like that's where we have yeah. most of our advantages um over other teams but i don't think we're a team that you would just ignore on the three-point line like we have some we have some really good three-point shooters out there it's mm-hmm. just about finding that confidence and finding that consistency with it uh and i think yeah once, once the season rolls around like uh, we, we added a guy like grady um yeah. Who's was definitely a very capable shooter, so he's going to go out there and, and help us with the with the um, stretching of the floor. Like, um, yeah, we're we're going to have to figure out the best way to create open shots for ourselves, uh, where even if other teams might have like slightly better shooters, we're still going to be able to make the most out of those situations and like um, knock these threes down when we have to. Right,
0: and, and, and I'm happy you mentioned the paint dominator, right because I, I do think on the flip side of that. Most teams don't have the kind of advantages that you guys will have down low. Whether that's a crashing the offensive rebounds, whether that's you know, um, you know, going to the basket. And obviously, you guys have a lot of talent on that front. Yep. Um, you know, I-, I wanted to ask you uh, about the new point guard situation as well. Obviously, you'll be playing uh, with, you know, Dennis Schroeder this year. Um, I actually got a chance to interview Dennis down in Vegas, and I just wanted to pass along a comment because I, I-, I did say that maybe you guys will run a German pick and roll. Obviously, Austrian speaking German. He told me. It's a bit of a broken German. So I wanted to hear your follow-up. As obviously uh, an Austrian yourself, what, what what would you have to say about him saying he that it's broken He said the German. Austrian German is
3: broken German? Yeah, you did say that, yeah. <laughs> I just want to follow. up. That's all. That's all. I'm not here to cause any mess. Uh, no, no, we'll we'll see about that. I'm sure I'm sure we'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hearing he's he's more American than German these days. Anyway, oh, so. <laughs> all right. Well, I can't wait to
0: I can't wait to pass that comment along as well. Um, Jakapertel, best of luck with the season. Enjoy Thank the rest you. of media day and uh, good luck in training camp. Bro, right? Don't get hurt. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay, uh, that was Jakob Pertl, uh joining us on the Raptor show for the third time. Trying to, I forgot to commit him to a fourth Raptor show appearance, but honestly, Yaka is just great to speak to in general. Very thoughtful, very perceptive. And uh, we were going to go to break. However, we're going to have another interview loaded up soon uh, with OG Ananobi since it's live at Media Day. Um, he is actually playing a beer pong game. Okay, you know what? We are actually going to go to break. Uh, I've been your host, Will Lou. You've been listening to the Raptor show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And the other side of this break... Once OG is done playing uh, beer pong, uh, we will have an interview with OJ Ananobi. 15 minutes. We'll see how it goes. So thanks everyone for, for listening.
1: Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkers podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to The Raptors Show on the Sports Night Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lue. You'll be joined by producer and co-host, Alex Wall. We'll speak to them soon. Uh, however, we're down here at Media Day for the Raptors, and we have OG and Anobi. We have 15 minutes on the clock, and uh, I know a lot of people were very nervous, myself included. How are we going to get an interview with OG for 15 minutes? Because, you know, infamously, you give short answers, right? So, you know, I could take an approach and ask you, like, 70 questions, but I thought we could actually, you know, chat and... No, let's, talk, yeah. let's, let's talk, yeah. Let's talk. Got you. Um yeah, so I was just, I was just asking about the 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 new look, the goatee.
4: Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Right now, what's going on there? I wanted some facial hair. I usually cut it off, but I think it's time to try to grow it out, see what it can do. Yeah. And I kept it for now. We'll see. I might get rid of it again. Yeah. As soon as tomorrow. <laughs> We'll see. Okay. This might be a one-time thing. I
0: like it for now, though. Yeah, got you, got you. It might be like you might be like the new Jimmy Butler. You know, Jimmy comes to the every media day with something something new. Yeah, you know? yeah. I don't know if you've seen the new. I one, saw that. That was funny. That yeah. was that was interesting. That was interesting. Um, okay, let's start here. Uh, what was the what was the favorite thing you did this summer? Uh,
4: besides like working out, I guess just spending time with family. You know, hanging yeah. out, enjoying off time. All
0: right. Well, th- I-, I thought you would say that because I-, I had some questions for you directly. Uh, I saw that you were a best man at a wedding mm-hmm. yeah so tell me about that experience um, uh
4: it was a good experience you know um i grew up with a uh, Jawan. he was with us for a little bit too actually yeah right, right. but yeah i grew up with him in missouri went to indiana same year roommates uh so he's been one of my best friends for a while so right. it's pretty cool did see. you give a speech because I, yeah. I, i've
0: been there before i've been the best man mm-hmm. I, I was I, I think i was more nervous for this interview than i was for to give that <laughs> speech uh, but, you know, it is a little nerve-wracking going up there. So did you give a speech?
4: Yeah, I gave a speech. It was pretty good. Everyone loved it. Yeah? It was like a 10-minute speech.
0: You give a 10-minute speech? Yeah. I guess everyone just on the outside just thinks you never talk. So I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, it could be the press conferences, OG. I think that's why.
4: I, I talk when they give, when they ask like the good questions, I'll
0: talk. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. All right yeah, that's yeah. that's the challenge to me right now then. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about basketball. Um, I wanted to talk about, you know, your offense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I was listening to Mikhail Bridges on the Paul George podcast mm-hmm. over the summer, and he was talking about other players who like similar to Mikel, where, you know, when he was in Phoenix, he kinda played more of a role, but then he got to Brooklyn, got his own team, and then his scoring went taking the jump. Mm-hmm. And Paul was asking him what are other players you can see taking that similar jump? And he said your name. And he said 100% you could do the same thing. So when you hear something like that, first off, what's your reaction to that? And also, do you feel like that's possible on this specific team?
4: Um, when I hear stuff like that, I mean, it lets me know that, like, my peers see, they see the talent in me, the talent that I think I have as well. Um, and then also just, you know, he was in a similar situation, you know, and he broke through, he got his opportunity, he broke through, and he took off, and... Do I think it could happen here yeah yeah i mean i think it is happening here every year I've been, i feel like i've been getting better and better right. every year i've been improving and that's just all you can really try to do just improve every year and i, I don't know, like of course i'll want it to be like a big jump yeah but can't control that just control getting better every year you never know when it'll happen you know
0: that's true that's true and, and i think one area of growth that's been very obvious especially watching you know warm-ups or uh, at practices, your three point shooting has really come a long, long way. Um, and one thing I actually noticed you always do, you take a lot of high arcing threes. Can you talk me through why that is?
4: I just work on my touch. Like, you know, okay. Uh, really just emphasis this touch, you know, trying to be able to control the ball, shooting the ball high, because you know, in the game, you never know the pass you're going to get or the contest. Right. So just be able to hit it, like, just uh, knowing the control needed for the shot. You know, every shot's different, but just having like a good baseline.
0: Right. So that, that 0.5 second shot, was that, yeah, was yeah. that kind like of Like I used to work up? on
4: that all the time right. with uh, Coach Patumba. Wow.
0: That's, mm-hmm. that's really cool. Um, so I think that's something that you've really, really improved on. For me, watching the games as well, one of the things that you can continue to show more growth just humbly is you, you have some turnovers on drives, mm-hmm. right? And obviously you haven't been much of a driver, just mm-hmm. that's not been your role. But how do you think you can improve on that aspect on offense?
3: Uh,
4: really just watching film and then also the reps – Right, doing it, and like just watching film, seeing if I'm making the right decision, if I'm uh trying to pass when the pass isn't there or trying to drive when the drive's not there, mm-hmm. being uh more aware of where the help is and knowing where the help's coming from, knowing like just reading the floor better right you know? mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I guess that's something you can't simulate in practices like yeah. it's not the same thing if like. Chama reaches in yeah. <laughs> and tries to swipe the ball. It's not the That's same as favorite, like, Giannis. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no. no, just the reps. The reps yeah. are the main
4: thing, you know? That's
0: fair. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, you know, there's been a lot of conversation online about trade rumors, and, 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 and that comes into play, I think, just from the player's perspective. Do you ever worry about it? Um, does that something that, you know, plays in your mind? Because, again, this is a big lifestyle change if mm-hmm. you do get traded from mm-hmm. the player's side. So, is that something you think about something you keep track of something you even worry about in the off seasons not
4: really worry about it because you can't really control it okay and yeah i can't really control it so there's no really use of worrying about it you know that's fair that's, that's very- for even yeah like i used to always tell us like don't worry like don't you can't control that just focus on getting better every day
0: does does Masai help you in terms of like does he fill you in? Like, sometimes, like, yo, like, I know you see this out there, but this is not actually what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have conversations where, like... No, we do. We talk. We... Communication, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what, what's your relationship like with Masai? You know, there's a photo from last year's media day that really went viral mm-hmm. where he's kind of standing on your shoulder like a proud father almost. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your relationship like with Masai? I don't want to infer just based on a photo, mm-hmm. so I want to ask you directly.
4: Oh, uh, yeah, I have a good relationship with Masai, you know. Uh, ever since, even before I got drafted, you know. Just, yeah, I like always had a really good relationship with beside and then always just you know there's a trust yeah there's a i don't know it's just uh, just a great relationship you know
0: well he even just said uh this morning when we were you know trying to grill him on the the press conference he even mentioned that you know you were not involved you were not on the table for for damian lillard and obviously you know damian lillard Mm -hmm. is like top 75 all-time player but you know that's something that Obviously, he's shown that trust in you as well. Mm-hmm. In terms of your long-term future, so obviously, you know, there is a potential contract extension. We'll see sort of how finances work. You're not going to tell me that, and I'm not expecting that answer. But you've said a couple times now that you really love Toronto. You would love to stay here mm-hmm. long-term. What is it that you love about the situation, the city, mm-hmm. this organization? Um, really,
4: those things you just listed. Like, I love the fans. I love the city. I love the organization. I love the, my teammates. Mm-hmm. love the coaching staff. I just, I just love Toronto. Yeah. Always have. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like this is home for you now yeah. after spending like your whole career here? Yeah, it is home for me. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, that's really nice. I'm not gonna ask you where you live. That was that that, <laughs> that came to my head, but I was like, what am I doing? I'm on live. I'm on live radio right now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, your conversations with Darko, the new head coach. Mm-hmm. Ha- do you think your role is gonna be any different necessarily than what it was in previous years under Nick or Dwayne before that?
4: Um, I mean, the offense will probably be different. So, okay. I can't really say because until we. Start like playing, yeah, and, yeah like putting on stuff. I won't really know for sure, but I mean, the offense will be a little bit different, so I think I'll be, I think everyone will be used differently and more unique ways, you know, sure, sure, more versatile ways. So I think we have a lot of versatility in our team, so I think we can really exploit that. That's fair, and then really defensively, just doing the same thing, being everywhere,
0: being a menace, being the best defense player in the league. I don't know what I was worried about. You're this is a great conversation, and we could have more than 15 minutes actually. <laughs> uh, well. On the offensive end, obviously we're going to see what it's going to look like under Darko. On the defensive end, you had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. Just over the course of your career, I remember your first breakout game, that was against James Harden in Houston. That was MVP season, James mm-hmm. Harden. You did a great job of guarding him at that time. Um, this past year, you finally got the recognition to make the all-defensive teams. So I want to ask you, what's next for you defensively? What's your next goal um, defense?
4: Really, first team all-defense then defensive player of the year. Wow! And even the all Defensive teams, I think I should have got it the year after World won the championship.
0: I agree, actually. I think yeah, yeah, I yeah. should have got it that year. Because the, the, the team, the Raptors as a whole, I think were, like, number one or number two on mm-hmm. defense that season. Yeah. And I know a lot of the arguments were, like, well, the Raptors have so many good defenders. And, like, you know, Mark's great and Serge is great and Kyle's great. I mean, lucky.
4: Like, just, they have how many guys? They had two first-team guys. Philly had Batiste. Yep. Simmons. Embiid, all great defenders. But they all got, mm-hmm. I don't know, I think they, I don't know, whoever votes, but they Kind of slight Toronto, mm. slightly, I don't know. I like that. Or maybe that. they don't pay attention, I don't know. I but like that. We've always had a lot of great defenders, not just me. Yeah, of course, of, of course. course. Mm-hmm. No,
0: but you're, you're excellent. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, well, that, that's, that's great because I think that, you know, this team in particular has a potential to go to another level defensively. I think mm-hmm. you guys are all, like, strong defenders. You guys have mm-hmm. tons of length, and, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that translates. Now, I want to pivot away from basketball at least here locally i want to pivot towards you know your new ownership or at least partial ownership of the london lines of the bbl first off the bbl hilarious name we're just (laughs) going to kind of move past that uh nick used to always talk about bbls in press conferences (laughs) and uh it was about british basketball um anyway so i was watching the video uh where you you know were brought you know to london and and you were visiting the team and you you mentioned in that video that london was home for you so Mm -hmm. can you walk us through that like what do you mean by that
4: oh like london is home like just, I just, I remember even being a kid growing up there, you know, had friends there when I was younger and then moved, but always kept in contact with them. Always go back and visit. My sisters never moved. They always, they always lived over there. Right. So London has just always been like a second, like a home, but like a second home for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So London
0: is obviously such a big place. Mm-hmm. So where in London are, are you and your family from? Uh,
4: uh, Harlesden. Okay. Northwest London.
0: Northwest London. Mm-hmm. Got you, got you, got you. Um, yeah, that makes sense because you said in the video that you're an Arsenal fan. As yeah, well. that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, well, uh, yeah, like I was just gonna ask you, like, so, I, I guess for a lot of immigrant families, like, you know, you kind of have family all over, right? You got you got some family in the UK, you got some family in the states. You were here in the in Canada, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that like? Sort of like moving around back and forth. You know, how mm-hmm. do you keep that connection? You know what I mean?
4: Oh, uh, really? Just like I'm a, it used to be, big Skype, a lot of Skype, lot calls, of Skype calls, phone calls. But, family in Nigeria, yeah, family right. in England, family in all over the U.S., yeah, like just Skype calls, phone calls, just, yeah, stay in constant communication.
0: What was your What was your favorite thing about, like, living in London and sort of, like, I, I don't know, for me, for, for me personally, like, I, I was born in China, I came here, and so every time I go back to China, I feel like I'm a slightly different person mm-hmm. versus when I'm here in Canada. Is that sort of the same feeling you get when you go to the U.K. sometimes?
4: No, in mean, the U.K., I just feel like, because the U.K. is very similar to Toronto, actually, yeah. so. Yeah. Like London feels just like Toronto. Okay. Like I walk around, I feel like I'm in Toronto. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Toronto feels nothing like China to me, so <laughs> that's that, that. might be the key difference. Um. So yeah, I, I wanted to ask you like your decision to invest in the London Lions, mm-hmm. right? Um, w- what sort of inspired you to make that decision, and sort of what kind of opportunities? Because I saw you working a lot with kids when you mm-hmm. went back home.
4: Yeah, just uh, just being out there and like seeing like how like um, football is so yeah. big. And, like, kids out there, I think that's the only thing. Right. And, but they watch basketball. They know about, like, 2K. They, they talked about it a lot. I was surprised uh, a couple years ago. The first time I heard them talking about 2K, I was surprised they even knew about it. But, right, like, right. it's very, it's growing really fast, and boys and girls. So just trying to, you know, show them that even though I did uh, move to the U.S., it is possible from there, especially, like, the London Lions, the academies, the youth academies, you know, and the, the London Lions, uh, the, the team. Yeah. Now they're, like, investing in youth yeah. sports and, like, you know like academies and yeah just trying to grow the game and like it is possible from there
0: i think european sports is, is really unique like that right because you know for soccer for example they have all these academies mm-hmm. right and you have kids that come in like seven eight years old and there's a schooling obviously element to that too but it, it's totally different here in the, for example where it's like a lot of aau yeah. a lot of mm-hmm. college and you know i'm not saying one system's better than the other but it is very interesting because that is one way you can directly invest mm-hmm. in those youth so now that you're a, a team owner i already see you got former teammate sam decker yeah on the team mm-hmm. Um, Serge was a free agent, and he's in Europe right now. Did you call up Serge? You, you I know?
4: didn't. I didn't know. If I didn't want to just ask him, but you, you I definitely will. Yeah, I should have. You should I talked him. to him, but we don't. We talk about other stuff. You know? Right. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Got you. That I should have. Though I wish. That would have been that would have been great. Uh, yeah. You know, I put I put you on the lines. Quote, quote, <laughs> and unquote. he
4: loves Ly- and He loves London too, so it would have been great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we know we know how much Serge likes fashion, music, mm-hmm. everything. Uh, you know, besides basketball as well. Obviously, he loves basketball. Mm-hmm. Well, see, one of the things I noticed too is um, when you go to the UK, and a lot of people pointed this out, your accent kind of changes a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if you you've seen the reaction that you being teased about this. Where essentially. When you go to the UK, your British accent comes out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So I want you first off. Why? Why? Why is that?
4: It just depends, honestly. Um, oh it just no. came
0: out right there on the honestly.
4: Oh, it just some words. Oh, it depends, honestly. I'm not okay. sure. I'm not sure why. It just whenever I'm out there, I'm not. I don't know. I'm just I'm out there and just it just comes out. I'm not sure why.
0: Well. I actually prepared a little bit of a quiz for you mm-hmm. in terms of just, like, I want you to just read these two following sentences. It's nothing problematic, I promise you, but just these two sentences because there are some common things that are pronounced differently in the Canada or the U- in the U.S. versus mm-hmm. uh, you know, the United Kingdom. So I would like to read these two sentences, please.
4: Can you run to the store for some water, aluminum foil, basil, yogurt, tomatoes, and some HP sauce?
0: HP sauce. Okay, N- not not the HP sauce. All right, all right. And then this second. What's that? What is that? HP. It's like the what? No, oh, wow. This is a big citizenship Wait, test. Would you HP say? HP sauce? Oh, is yeah. that Canadian? It's like a UK thing, right? It's like people put it on steaks. Oh, and stuff. okay. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, 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 thinking of yeah. something else. I've never had it before. Apparently, it's supposed to be chutney, but it's actually they really did Chutney.
4: something completely different. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Got you, got you.
0: Uh, and then this one.
4: I saw an advertisement on my mobile for this Adidas fashion show on Tuesday.
0: Okay, that, that was very Canadian. That was very Canadian because, you know, it could have been like, you know, Adidas, Adidas Tuesday. Yeah. That's yeah. just how I say Adidas. That's fair. Just from being over here. That's fair. That's fair. Well, OG and OB, they said it would be impossible to have a 15-minute conversation with you. Yeah, and they, they lied. They lied. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time. No, Best of luck you. with the season. Thank you, brother. Best of luck in training camp. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope you get to go to the U.K. as much as you want in the off-seasons because it's a dope place. No, thank you, brother. Appreciate All it. Right. Thanks to OJ Anobi for joining us on uh, the show, and uh, we will be going to break soon. But before we go, I want to bring you a message. So the Canadian Blood Services say that distribution of blood products to hospitals is outpacing the number of donations being made, especially here in Toronto or especially here in Ontario. Uh, Life can change in seconds. You or someone you love may need blood products urgently. Donated blood and plasma play a critical role in everyday medical care, including surgeries, cancer treatments, and managing diseases and disorders, our community needs you. More than 2,892 donors are needed here in Ontario. Let's come together and donate blood or plasma today. Visit blood.ca, download the Give Blood app, or call 1-888-2-DONATE. That's one 1-888-2, 2 and then donate, or one 236 8-3 and yeah speaking personally this is something that i try to do uh every year on my birthday i literally make it a point to go donate blood and uh yeah <laughs> all right transitioning well, from the, that the raptor we're literally getting a the, ra- the raptor
1: is joining us now so you know we're gonna, we're gonna this is a good spot to take a break yeah uh, we'll sure? be back on the raptor show you're listening to the raptor show on the Sportsnet radio network we're not gonna do a live we're not
0: gonna do a voice reveal for, the, for the raptor for we'll the first be back time ever all right we'll gonna be break. back we're going to break
1: Covering the Blue Jays from an analytical perspective. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. I continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. We continue to be live here at Raptors Media Day. Uh, from you know a undisclosed location in downtown Toronto. Do we have to keep undisclosing it or Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Richmond Street? Do not know. There's a couple there's don't, a couple hotels on Richmond Street. Don't dox where this location is, please. You know how Raptor fans are.
1: Looking at a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse sign right now. Yes. That's what I'm looking at. All right. That's, you know,
0: that's already too much hints.
1: No, we're, we're live from media day, like Will mentioned. And I know in the first hour, um, you know, we talked a little bit about Masai's presser, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Pascal's uh, situation heading into free agency, potentially at the end of this season. Yeah. And then you had two great sit-down interviews with Jakob Pertl and OG and I think we do want to get back to some of those
0: discussions right. um,
1: in this second hour. But well, I
0: feel like we were just getting into, like, yeah. The whole situation and yeah. then and then Jakob came by. So we yeah. obviously we got uh, Shousta,
1: Shousta, the big ugly.
0: I believe that's his official uh, nickname. God. No, we didn't anoint this for him. Like this is At this one he's the big nickname. raptor show because again, this is our third exclusive one on one interview with Jakob Proto yeah, since that, he's come back to Toronto. Has he, he surpassed Utah Watanabe? I think he actually has matched Utah. Okay. I think we actually had three with Utah as well. Okay. Uh, but we spoke with Jakob the week after he got to Toronto. Yeah. By the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Uh, we spoke with Jakob when he got signed. I was down yeah, there. Yeah, right next to Jalen McDaniels. Uh, w- w- along with Jalen Name McDaniels your top three well. moments from that day. Um, I, I I got a bottle of soju, Moon Soju. Shouts to Moon Soju. <laughs> what? Uh, from, How does that have
1: to do with that day? It
0: was from Union Station. It was right there beside Skosher Bank. Oh, okay. Uh, got a patty from there as well. One nice. of the you know, patty shops down there. And nice. uh, what else did I have? I did not, by the way, consume either of those things at Media Day. I want to be clear on that day. But No, no. Will's very professional. We had that interview with Jakob, and now we had an interview again with Jakob. So I think okay. it's just it's great to chat with him, though he's he's very um, he's very thoughtful with his answers. You know, he th- he's not going to just like um, you know give you some sort of stock answer and just kind of move it and keep it moving. He sure. thinks about every question, even if they're not that well thought out, uh, and he tries to give a meaningful answer. Which yeah, but- I, that's why I always appreciate interviewing Jakob Proto. Come no. on the show for a fourth time, Jakob. All right, man, but careful what you wish for.
1: Um, but you know, let's not bury the lead here. And and you know, this is no disrespect to the big ugly. Um, All right, we
0: got. No, we got. We're disrespecting that man right there with that nickname. But the OG, to be clear, Fred came up with that nickname. Yeah, it's not. And it was many like, years ago. I, I did not yeah. just create this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Shout to Jeff Down Jr.,
1: who I saw playing beer pong earlier. That's the other thing about You're working Media on Day. the shot, man. That's it. Oh, that's the that's the other thing about Media Day. Um, you know, I think people understand kind of the the concept of it, but it's cool to be here sometimes to see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. like right across from us there's a table with just Jenga tiles. Yeah. That, you know, players have been walking through. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, a lot of different photography that's taking place. The that's Beer Pong right. is really cool.
0: I know the Tier 0 team is going to be doing some stuff. Oh, oh shout out to the, the Tier like 0, zero, zero team.
1: You know, you reference in the OG interview the iconic photo of Masai and OG. Uh, yes. From last season, that was from the Tier
0: Zero team. Their, Interesting. their photo direction. Because that looked like the, you know those uh, Sears family photos you used to take back <laughs> in the day? I thought
1: you were going to say like a succession like type portrait. Uh, a little, <laughs> it, it gave a little like
0: Logan. Uh, yeah, Kendall it's Maasai
1: Logan Roy coming up in the segment
0: four. Lots of
1: similarities.
0: Oh, really? Stay okay, tuned.
1: let's let's save that for
0: like an a lot actual of, show. A lot of, lot of control in the narrative. But yeah, let's we, should, keep we on. should
1: let people know too, you know, if you enjoy The Raptor Show, make sure you, you know, subscribe to the podcast feed where you can get all your episodes. That's right. And of course, we're back on air, like Will mentioned, myself, Will, Blake, and, you know, all our friends from The Raptor Show Universe on October 16th. Yes. October 16th, 2 to 4 p.m. Daily. Um, so daily, make React sure, pod, everything. Yeah, React pod, all of that stuff. Yeah. So let's not bury the lead. You know, great interview with Big Ugly, but God. the OGN yes. and OB interview. And just to give people a little bit of context, because we're, we're having fun here at Media Day. Yeah. We, were, we were made aware of this interview that was going to happen last week, which yes. gave you the weekend to prepare. Yep. You know, I had a wonderful weekend. Uh, went to a great uh, Wu-Tang Nas De La Soul concert last mm. night at Scotiabank right. Arena. Um, right. Shouts to Capadonna. And, and meanwhile, the whole time... Uh, You were very busy, dug
0: in, researching, prepping for this OG interview. Was there
1: a lot of nerves coming into this situation?
0: So I would have to say, first off, um, that's not the first time I interviewed with OG. Oh, okay. Uh, I wasn't familiar with your game. So back in 2019, the year the Raptors uh, won the championship, they're defending the title. Obviously, Kawhi left, Danny left. But the vibes were still there. Mm -hmm. Let's be very honest about that. The vibes were still very, very good. And um, that day... um, Perhaps because I was working at a you know different outlet or whatever, and just wasn't didn't have as much like uh, uh, just even credit in the game. You know what I mean? Like, sure. They told me on that day of, like, hey, we got you. If you want an exclusive, because I basically said I will have an exclusive with anybody. I'm really trying to make the way. H- here. How how much of a heads up did they give you for this interview? They gave say? me like a 15 minute heads up. Okay. Right. Raptors PR came over and they were like, all right, you want an interview? Here's OJ Obi, You got five minutes. It's going to be against the wall. <laughs>
1: okay. Seriously, what does a, against the wall have no, to do with this? He's context. physically
0: <laughs> placed against the wall. Okay. And okay I think okay. I had 15 minutes, and nice. and I was mad nervous because I was like, "What am I gonna do?" And I, I was sitting beside you at that time, and you're like, "You better write down every question you got, buddy." Yeah. And so you can actually go look this up. It's still up on YouTube if you just search 25 questions with OGN. You know, nice. It's a four-minute and change interview. Let's just say five minutes, mm-hmm. and I asked him 25 questions because, again, like. He's so known for giving short answers, especially in these sort of sit-down settings. And so one approach I thought was maybe I extend that. Obviously, this is going to be a 15 instead of a five-minute interview. Maybe ask him 75 questions. Like this is one of those like Vogue things, you know what I mean? Like when they follow the celebrities around. But then I was like, honestly... The more I thought about it, and i and my, the more I thought about it. I meant like I thought about it all weekend. Mm. Um, you know, I went out to the park and wanted to shoot hoops for like two hours. The whole time I'm just thinking about what am I going to ask OG. And I, and I. There's no way you made a single shot, bro. No, no, no. I, trust me, man. I, I made like you know. You were m- locked. In. My usual 153s. threes. That's my usual. Uh, my, I like My that. rhythm, but um, I was thinking about it. and I was like, you know what? All these interviews with OG and Noobie, no one asked them direct personal questions.
1: I get you. It's it's a very like media. Like, media asks a question, OG answers. Yeah. Media asks a question, OG answers. It's
0: almost like we're conceding in the media before we even ask the question a lot of the times. Because we know we're going to get, quote-unquote, OG'd. You know, like when people used to get popped for Greg Popovich. Right. It's a different context. Pop does it from more of a, you know, condescending place. OG does it come from a place of humor. But, like, people don't actually... Try to directly engage with him, and obviously, this is a sit-down setting. It's a totally different vibe mm-hmm. than a than a post-game interview or some sort of random scrum um, at practice. Like yeah. media days, you know, first day of school type vibe. Yeah, everyone's know? chill. He got a goatee for some reason. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's 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 chill. But I mean, at the same time, I thought, why not try to at least approach it that way? And we'll, who knows if OG shuts it down? If he if he's giving short answers, I might pivot to some other direction. But at least give him that chance. And I, I you know I, I think it was great to hear about. Sort of his upbringing, sort of living, sort of between two worlds in a way, having family all over the world. I think for a lot of people in Toronto, they could really relate to that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was it was also cool to see his uh, his British accent pop out once in a while. Uh, I might yeah. have to nickname him like Peaky Blinders or something, like you know. We might... we gotta do uh, maybe this
1: gotta be podcast only, but yeah. we gotta do one with a Chinese accent. No, uh, Chinese
0: accent test. Uh, um, okay, you know what? Yeah. You know what? If when we re-sign Jeremy Lin again or the next Jeremy Lin, which uh looking down the pipeline I do not see another one. What pipeline? There is no pipeline. Yeah. You're right. You're the big the biggest NBA player from China right now is Lee Kaier.
1: Right. Our favorite aka Kyle Anderson for people that don't know. Yeah. Represented team China at the at the FIBA World Cup. Yeah. This and summer. I don't I don't know if we can really accent test yeah. him. But Hey listen man, the that's be- cool, man. the that's best cool. compliment I could give you is like most OG interviews uh you know I kind of just want them to end. And I mean this is no <laughs> offense cuz it's like The conversation, Uh like you mentioned, is just stagnant, like it doesn't go anywhere, and and clearly there's just like a, a, not a friction, but there's just no momentum in any of the conversations, Sure. but this was one of those conversations that I didn't want to end, like I wish you guys had a chance to to chat more, like you mentioned, about his personal side, Yeah. because like, you know, like when OG's willing to give this energy and when OG's willing to, to engage in a conversation, I do think he's one of the most interesting guys on the team. And,
0: and he I think does give you that times. most interesting man in the world kind of vibe. Yeah, and a lot Because you never know what yeah. he's really going to say. That's why people like interviewing him, but at yes. the same time also feel nervous yeah. about interviewing him. It's a weird dichotomy. Yeah,
1: I'm probably have so. gripped too. Like, I wish he would open up
0: more. Oh, I thought you were going to tell him that you, th- you think he's uh,
1: <laughs> sports funny. Your, your concept of sports funny. Anyways. Yeah, we're going uh, um, yeah. to the, uh, uh, the new goatee was great. I think My it was great. The new goatee was great. goatee was great. I think it was great. My goodness. It was uh, great. JR hearing, clip that. It was great hearing him talk about giving a ten-minute speech, at a
0: at a best man wedding. Do you think that's a little too long for a wedding? Like, because my my speech, I kept it a type five. I actually okay. like uh, for rehearsed me, it like ten times on Audacity and everything, and I, I yeah
1: kept it to a that's, type five. Uh, that's that's wild behavior, but I, I think. I think when you're the best man you should be given kind of the flexibility to go as long as you can yeah if the speech is good did you feel good coming off the podium like you've made a good speech
0: again in that day obviously the ceremony happened first um Mm -hmm. and then we went to the you know reception and and then when you're the best man you give the speech like second last like the only ones that were later were the parents giving speeches i think in Mm -hmm. that day um and the brides the, the the bride of Honor? What, what am I? What am I? Saying? The maid of the honor. Maid of honor. Sorry. Yeah. Wow. Clearly, I'm so we, un, we clearly I'm an unmarried man. I'm not familiar we, with this game. But uh, we didn't prep for this segment. The maid of honor went up there and gave an amazing, heartfelt speech. They were crying. The bride was crying. And I was like, "All right, now it's up to you." And I was like, "Yo, this is this is really gonna go bad." But no, no I, I gave the speech. Apparently, it, it went over well and got a couple compliments on it afterwards. But that's sort of the similar feeling I had with OG. But I think honestly, it's just a lesson in terms of just. Um, we, we, we've got to trust the players a little bit more and be a little less cynical sure. um, from the media perspective because I think if you invite anybody, just as a natural human response, you invite anybody to open themselves up to share their perspective, um, they are obviously more willing to share that with you versus sort of like, I know for me in the past, I've asked a lot of like questions that were more guided, that were more like specifically topical. Mm. And I think when they see that and they feel that sort of conversation being moved then they're a little bit more resistant because no one really likes that in the conversation right so that's something i think for myself to to, to improve on as as a as a broadcaster but i don't know why we have to be so uh intro, <laughs> introspective at this specific uh, no, instance. I, I think we'll get we'll get the raptors basketball i promise no I we're promise. getting
1: to it right now i think yeah. it's a but i think it's a good conversation it's like you know uh, riffing off what masai always says you know believe in yourself believe in the player you know i think that should be your new approach yeah going into talking to players wow. so let's let's reset a little bit here Uh, The Raptors are, after media day today, heading to uh, Burnaby to start their training camp. And they will play their first preseason game this Sunday at Rogers Arena in uh, BC against the Sacramento Kings. And then their first game at Scotiabank Arena will come uh, a week after that, October 15th, uh, versus a a team from Australia, uh, Cairns. Um, the I- Karens.
0: <laughs> oh, We're going to play the Karens oh, from Australia. God. All right, yeah, yeah, uh, I got you. Oh man, uh,
1: that's that's what that's the haircut is. I asked Will to give me the proper pronunciation before we came on air. <laughs> you know, for long-time <laughs> listeners of the Raptors show, you know this is not my forte. Um, so let's move on. Can can the, can the Raptors please just play NBA teams moving <laughs> oh, forward? Oh my goodness. Um, or at least be like. No, oh, I actually would love to see them
0: play more Karens. Oh, no, sure. my
1: <laughs> God. Uh, and then uh, and then they're, they're at Chicago, October seventeenth. And then they close out the preseason schedule at Scotiabank Arena against right. Washington on October 20th. And then, of course, their home opener is on October 25th against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, you know, let's let's continue the conversation we had earlier where we were talking about just, you know, the relationship between Pascal and the organization, I would yep. say. Right? Yep. Yep. His contract situation, he's up for an extension at the moment. Otherwise, he could head into free agency. I think the one point I wanted to make... Um, to continue on that was I would be okay about all the questions about Pascal and what might happen if you drag this onto the trade deadline if this, if the, number one the Raptors were in a better place as a team sure. to replace Pascal um, and number two if this wasn't the only question because you know OG was asked those questions and yeah. I know you asked OG too about his yeah. long term future in Toronto. We're still not sure what Gary's long term future is going to be in Toronto, because yeah. he opted into his contract and, and he hasn't signed an extension yet. I just feel like you're introducing way too much, uh, like you mentioned, going into the trade deadline by leaving this Pascal thing lingering. And I still haven't yeah. heard a sound argument. And I'm still not buying into the argument of, like, we got to see how Pascal does in this new system. I really don't. Like, I still haven't heard a reasonable argument of why, if Pascal is willing to sign at a reasonable price, that this hasn't gotten done yet.
0: Yeah, well... I agree with you, honestly. I do agree with you. Like, my preferred uh, path forward for the team would be to lock in Pascal, again, at the non-Supermax uh, max extension. Mm-hmm. Again, the NBA probably needs to have just better language around these things because that really is the official term. Uh, and I, I i agree i think he's shown so much over the course of his career especially here in toronto that uh you know i'm confident to give him that again we're talking about a very hard-working player as well literally a most improved player candidate raptors don't win the championship without what he did raptors don't have another all-star level caliber player honestly even all due respect to fred the one year he did it he was all-star caliber for that first 40 games but for the rest of the fred's career in toronto wasn't at that all-star level and you know that's not to slander fred He was a a uh, friend of the program as well, and he did some really great interviews with us in the past. But <laughs> Are past- you maintaining a relationship with Fred? No, no, I'm just saying. Like, No, no, what Pascal you said, is right. Clearly, like, what to you said me, is right. that all-star level player. All-NBA. He's an all-NBA, all-NBA level player. All-NBA right? Yeah. Um, he's accomplished that twice in the last couple years as well. So, yeah. But at the same time, if they do want to move in this new direction, at least let's see how training camp goes, right? Like, I guess what it really comes down to is are you willing to give this front office a chance that, to resolve this? Because right now, the extension can be signed at any point in the season. Like right. there's not a deadline of like,
1: okay, first but how game of the often have you seen fight. a player of Pascal's caliber have this situation drag into the season and sure. an extension gets Sure. Signed.
0: No, I, I hear that. I, I hear that. And again, like typically that's how front office will handle it. But I think clearly the Raptors aren't a typical front office. If anything, they almost revel in being a little bit different. Is that good or bad need- right now? It's it's good when they win, it's bad when they lose. <laughs> no, I'm for real. Like that's no, really I, what it is. I, but I, that's, that's what, what I'm what, saying. It's like yeah. I, I only hit you with that because like
1: that's what everyone's feeling right now. Right? I agree. That's, that's what, what I everyone's feeling, too. feeling right now.
0: And especially knowing the idea that like Pascal genuinely loves it here in Toronto, mm-hmm. wants to sign here long term. We see him involved in all these projects, whether that's opening a court uh you know downtown. Yep. You know, whether that's the charitable donations that he made across yeah, the city. He
1: works closely with Red Bull Canada on
0: a lot of different things right? Yeah. The city. So there's all these investments that he has put into being here. He wants to be here long term. I have it on good account, even just speaking to his representation, that he would love to be here for the rest of his career kind of thing. And obviously that's an easy thing to say in any moment, especially when you're contract negotiating. But I genuinely believe it. No, based on I, the other I, actions.
1: I think you should give more credit to, to that because... I'm not comparing Pascal and Giannis as players, right? But you heard Giannis all summer being like, hey, I actually don't know if I'm going to sign this extension. It seems like he was just griping for the transfer game. Let's be honest. But then here on the flip side, you have a player who is, by all accounts, open to being here long term. Yeah. So... For me, like I don't know, I, I I do feel a little bit frustrated about the situation, and like I he's hear cle- you. he's clearly your best player. Yep, you've seen talent go out the door. Yeah, there's not an appetite from the fan base to want to go through exactly what they went through
0: last season,
1: yep. and then end up in a situation where a player walks. Yeah, like all of that. Here,
0: I, look, I agree with all of that. Yeah, let me just play not even devil's advocate. Let me yeah. just change the perspective at least from the other end, right? Mm-hmm. Situation with losing Fred. Yeah. There was a team that was willing to pay Fred ten million dollars more than any other team was willing to pay Fred. Fred Fred walked into the right situation on the right year of free agency. Pascal making the max anywhere he goes. Sure. So there is not that extra advantage of you know in terms of you have a a number that is much lower than another team's number. Sure. Everyone has the same number. Okay, but what about? Okay, but let me give you the flip side. Okay, sure. Go ahead. What
1: about? Uh, we always think about it from a Raptors perspective. Right? Yeah, sure. How, yeah. how this can be best for the Raptors. I mean, that's the name of the show. Yeah, but <laughs> Pascal goes to free agency next year Yeah, after they've told him, hey, we want you to earn your value. Yeah. And if the Raptors are not a good team this season, let's say they take another step back, right? Yep. Pascal's not going to stay if Pascal's getting the same money somewhere else, right?
0: Like, this is not yeah, a decision sure, that's sure. entirely in the hands of the front office. No, and I agree And we've learned you. that, right? I agree so. with you. And again, that's just me trying to play the other perspective. No, just, I think that's fair. They, they kind of want to see how it's going to go. And I yeah. think they're more willing to risk a, that potential of a slightly less yeah. or uh, significantly less return yeah. versus getting more information on how you fit long Do long-term. Do you think that's the right way? Well, if, you,
1: I, I, like, if you were in that spot, like, how do you feel about this
0: approach? Well, this is going to be player? my lens of how I watch the season now, okay. right? Because like, I want to see, first off, how effectively can Darko get that style of play onto the players? It mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily have to mean that they win every game and, and this is a perfect style, but I want to see how they adapt to it, how they actually apply it, who's succeeding in it, who's not succeeding in it, for what reason, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to be watching specifically with Pascal's fit in that kind of situation. And I honestly think that part of the reason, and I asked this to Jakob, And I told him, I was like, look, listen, moving the ball, sharing the ball, this is all beautiful stuff. Eventually, you got to attack a mismatch in basketball, or eventually you get down and you play with a shot clock. If you had no shot clock, you could play, you're you're passing the basketball all all that you want, right, all the team-oriented basketball. But at a certain point, you got to really break it down. And in terms of shot creators, who creates the best advantages, who has the best skill set to get their shot off, who has the best skill set to create offense, to me, it's pretty clear. It's Pascal Siakam Mm -hmm. on this team. So, obviously, we have to afford him that leeway, and that's why I asked, you know, Jakob that question uh, about that. And, look, you might say, well, look, I could be cynical and say, Jakob's just giving me the answer that is the best media-trained answer. Honestly, Jakob Streisand is a very um, articulate and open, transparent kind of guy, Mm -hmm. right? And I do think that that's a perspective that is valid, right? There are moments where you have to really recognize when you need to go versus when you need to sort of play as a group. And I think that that's about finding a balance, and look, if Pascal really buys in and, and is able to go when he needs to go, but also play team basketball when he needs to play team basketball, this whole thing looks really like it could elevate the group to a higher level. My bigger concern is just I don't even understand where this idea of him being selfish even came into. the. You know, I don't really see that perspective. For me personally, I don't see that perspective. Even looking at something like, how much a player touches the ball, for example, in terms of touches, because you have that. You have, like, synergy data that tells you how many minutes per game is the ball in this player's hands, mm. right? Pascal yeah, Did you get you turn- that
1: info from uh, Mr. Azotem,
0: or uh, you looked no. it up yourself? No, no, no. I, How would I get that yeah. from an By the way, not the to, to interrupt.
1: We're going to get right yeah. back to this point. Yeah. But it was confirmed that, you know, people know about the Knicks uh, lawsuit. Uh, that was actually the first question I asked him aside. Um, yeah. Great kickoff to this 2023-24 season. Uh, hey, you're getting sued. Your comment? <laughs> great vibes. Yeah. Um, but it was confirmed later on that um, you know Mr. Azotam remains a, a member of the uh, Raptors organization. For those that are keeping tabs, right? But
0: like you mentioned, um, you, so can, in, you have these of, stats about like Pascal's touches. Yeah, in terms of how many minutes per game is that ball in Pascal Siakam's hands? Mm-hmm. And you know, based on last season, and we know not only did the Raptors play an unbalanced group where. A lot of their offense were generated through two players in Fred and Pascal. Mm-hmm. But also, these players played a ton of minutes overall, too, because, again, yeah. they were you know in the Nick Nurse system. Pascal Sagram averaged 4.9 minutes per game with the ball in his hands on uh, last season for the Raptors. Yeah, right? What does, does that rank? League-wide, that puts them into a range, and I'm just reading the players directly above him. Jalen Green at 4.9. Tyrese Maxey at 5.1. Devin Booker at 5.1, Bradley Beal at 5.1, John Wall at 5.2, Giannis at 5.2, well, Russell Westbrook at 5.4. Was in the league last year. There's like 40 names that you got to go down yes. this list until you get to Pascal Siakam yeah. who played heavy minutes, which I think influences this as well, oh, right? Sure. So to me, I'm just like, it's not like the ball was sticking to his hands and that it wasn't ever coming out. I think he averaged more assists last season than he ever did before. I think there's a playmaking element to his game. Are there moments where you can go through pretty much every like featured guy, and go into their box score and and look at their specific shots, and say he might have not taken this shot, or he missed this read here or there. Of course, I think he's definitely you know pivoting mid career towards being more of this sort of like point four type of player. But at the same time, to me, that doesn't suggest that he's selfish. I think that he creates the best advantages, and he's naturally, like he said in the press conference, the ball is going to find its way into the hands of the best player, and he is the best player on the team to me. So again, we need to like be very careful too in terms of. What is selfish play versus like what is just like how, I, not to be reductive, but just how basketball works. You know what I mean? No, I think I think that's a really good point, and, and I like, just don't
1: think he's like selfish. No, I, appreci- I just don't. No, I don't think this this is a storyline to be honest. And it's like, you know, I appreciate you pulling up the stats, but you know, just just the eye test too. You're looking at the games last year. Honestly, you know, the ball was in Fred's hands a lot. Um, and, and especially when you look at fourth quarter situations, there was more times than not when I wish Pascal would have gotten more touches down the stretch versus a question of, um, you know, why is the ball going through Pascal all the time? There was a lot of times I feel like in fourth quarter of close games when I feel like the ball might have not gotten to him. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this selfish kind of discussion may be more for just the overall team play and yeah. like the team approach. And certainly I think that's going to be the main storyline for, for Darko. Right, heading into training camp. Like, what what yeah. else are you looking at? Like, as the Raptors now head out to training well, camp. Actually, I just yeah. want to give one more final yes. note on this.
0: Do you think it was a wise media strategy for Masai to vocalize this so openly? Because I actually don't see how this improves the Raptors' negotiating position. Whether they yeah. want to negotiate an extension, whether they don't want to negotiate an extension, whether they want to get a trade done, I don't actually see how that benefits their public leverage. You know what I mean? Like, and also we have to understand that when the president of the team. Who obviously is very revered like Masai is he in toronto i know it's sort of a conflict period in the sense that he hasn't really delivered the last couple of years but overall he's still a revered figure let's be let's not get that twisted at all when he comes out and says it it now allows everybody else to also talk about the selfishness on the team and pointing fingers at this this and that does that help the overall attitude or even the conversations around the team yeah, no, I think that's Cause uh, to me that wasn't. That's a really good point. There w- that wasn't a necessary media strategy. I appreciate his transparency, uh, especially from the media's perspective. I always want to see that, um, but you know, unlike I think other you know situations. Like, we had the chance to follow up and ask him a couple of questions sort of off the record, and so that helps to give more context towards what's being said. Sure. But it's very easy for these things to be taken out of context, to be put out. And again, I think it actually contributes towards more of the negativity around the team, even if it is something that he's right to call out in terms of trying to address. Obviously, we want to stamp out any selfishness, yeah. but when you vocalize it in that way, that's all everyone ends up talking about, like uh, what we're doing right now. Yeah, I think, I, think, I guess my pushback on this um,
1: and I can't believe I'm, I'm defending Masai on this point, especially after he said he won't read my book. Um, is that he also said in the presser that a lot of these convos already took place with the players.
0: That that he's had these conversations okay, over the summer, right? Well, as long as the conversations are being had. Yes. As long as everybody is clear. Yes. It's important. Because, again, you, the last thing you want to do in pro sports mm-hmm. is communicate to your players through the media. Whether that's from coaching, whether that's through management.
3: Correct. It's not
1: productive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, but I, but I hear your concern. But I would like to, I would like to assume that whatever he said today publicly, yeah. um, he's had deeper conversations with players yeah. with the coaching staff. But listen, you you talked about up top. You know, you said one word. What was your one word to describe the Messiah? Presser, right? Angsty. That's yeah. the mood. Yeah. So I would prescribe the same word for the Pascal, presser.
0: Um, when well, I, one flows to the other. Yes, when you set the tone from the first presser, yes. and then Darko comes up, and then Pascal comes up, this is natural. There was a lot of questions where Pascal
1: was obviously asked the obvious stuff about his future, yeah. the extension, selfishness, um, you know, playing for a new coach, and to me, it seemed like. Listen, I think we know Pascal well enough that – and he said this today, too, whenever he's asked about the contract situation. He says, this is why I pay people to Mm. take care of this stuff. He's never the one to kind of go to the podium and make a statement about that stuff, right? But it seemed like he went to the – Well, last year his go-to phrase was,
0: that's above my pay grade. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I love that. Which, technically speaking – Yeah. No one's on the yeah, team actually yeah, gets a hard. All his grade. agents like that's below my pay grade. Please answer this, Pascal. <laughs> What's the right pay grade? <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, can we define the pay exceptions? grade for answering publicly? But I think the main also, pay- <laughs> by the way, the player's yeah. deflecting to like, well, that's that's why I pay my agents to talk about it. Yeah, I'm sorry, but it's very hard to actually get agents on record to talk about it. Well, that's this, why we asked you. The about
1: corollary it. is uh, Nick being like, you should talk to all my assistant coaches. When he said that last yeah, year, yeah. And
0: meanwhile, there was a very, very strict <laughs> policy. of never been available, never
1: being available. But my point, my point is, conscious. I felt like Pascal had a few things he wanted to like get off his chest today. Like there, there seemed yeah, like there was course. a few times where he was asked questions where he didn't directly answer the question. Mm. He just went into talking about how he feels. And I feel like it was interesting. He was well, talking about you can't about, allow the narrative to be said about you, yes. especially,
0: especially when it's something really negative. Like, Th- like the this.
1: the one thing that really struck me was at one point he talked about, hey, like I could be good in any system, like yeah. I don't want to talk about. Like, you know, like, cool, you guys can talk all about, like, adjusting to a new coach, yeah. adjusting to a new offensive system. Yeah. He basically said, I'm the type of player that's good enough that mm-hmm. I can be the focal point, regardless of what system you set up. He said, and I'm the lethal weapon. No, he really did say that. And listen, yeah. I, I don't know. Again, I, don't, I know this is being very, like, reflective, I guess, but, like, I feel like we've seen a lot of growth from Pascal in that way in terms of confidence in his ability and in his game like he came in here last year talking about oh, yeah. wanting to be, to be a top five player There, it wasn't that long ago a few years back um, you know, where we were questioning a lot of these things. And I'm sure Pascal was questioning a lot of these things right? Sure, sure. after his struggles and stuff. So, yeah. you know, I feel like just personally he's grown into a place where he's in a really good place. Yeah, And I do respect him going up there today and, and kind of just taking that stand, kind of just not like defending himself as a player, mm-hmm. but kind of just reminding people like, hey, listen, man. Because like, I feel like Pascal doesn't a lot of times doesn't get put in those conversations. Right. Yeah. Even when you talk about all NBA players. Like, like, you know, sure. based on that criteria, he should be a top 15 player. But how many people, when they do all the rankings and stuff, actually put him there?
0: Yeah. And, and honestly, like for me, that kind of ranking things, like even OG touched on it when we had an interview with him. Right. Like, I don't know if Canadian players or players playing the Canadian market mm-hmm. get that type of recognition. Um you know, you could be the exact same player in New York City, for example, and do what Pascal is doing. You get a lot more love than you would, especially from the national media, than you would from here. Mm. That's just the nature of things. But I think more than anything else, it's about wins, too. And I think I want to see whatever it takes from Pascal, whatever changes to be made from the rest of the team, I want to see them get back to a winning product. Because you can say that, yes, we can pivot in this direction. We might trade up and get a star or we might trade down and, and, and you move towards to the future. Either way, in the meantime, if they're going to build from the middle, and that's what the Raptors are trying to do, is they're trying to build from the middle, they need to have their players in a winning environment because that changes and that improves the stock of all your players. Masai even talked about it. He's like, last year we had a down year. We didn't play well collectively, but I thought a lot of our individual players took steps up. How do you showcase that without the wins to showcase for it? You know what I mean? So uh, to me, it's like, yeah, the ranking is important, you you know, like the style of play, this and that. Ultimately, I want to see more wins. And I want to see a more cohesive team because what we saw last year, you know, the environment that Nick kind of fostered here, it just wasn't working. And, um, you know, it's obviously very easy to just, you know, put the finger on the blame on the next guy who just walked out the door and you pretend like all your problems walked out with them. I want to actually see did the problems actually get solved because nobody in the Raptors fan base wants to see. A repeat of last season, especially not when ticket prices went up. You know what I mean? Like, no, listen, I, I got a lot. Of, I got a lot of friends who are season ticket holders who who <laughs> go to a lot of games, talk to a lot of people. O- only took you ninety minutes to bring in the season I'm
1: ticket saying, holder man. narrative, man. I'm just saying we're officially back. Yeah, yeah. The no, Raptors really said price of the brick gone up. So no, I, I, listen. I, I think those are all fair points. Yeah. I, I think, I think before we take the break too, um, it's like, you know, I, I think it's exciting to just. Be able to talk about like new things now about yeah, oh, this yeah, team. Yeah. Like I think, that, sure. like, like I remember how it was like leading up to the trade deadline last season. You remember how many conversations? Oh, there it was were dark. around it was dark. like the trades, right? Yeah, yeah that's like, all anyone wanted to talk about. Every single player. Yeah. And like this summer, to be honest, like hasn't been that exciting, right? You well, can, it hasn't been any different. That's it. Hasn't the thing. been any different. Yeah. Hasn't yeah. been. Hasn't. There hasn't been like a massive shift that maybe a lot of fans want, but. I think now that we head into training camp, we can really start looking at these things that you talked about, right? Yeah. Like, what's Pascal's role on this new team? We haven't even talked about Scotty yet, which I'm sure we're going to devote a lot of time to during the preseason and heading into the season. That's right. What Scotty might look like in um, in year three, and what tangible internal improvement there can be, right? Right. Like, I, I saw, I think, Precious Achua just walked by um, just now, and it's like, um, you know, he's one of the guys that maybe you look at. He had a down season last year, right? Yeah, he like, did. W- what does that look like? Um, you look at Grady Dick, how he might fit off the bench. Yep. Um, because, I mean, damn, like, I know we're running the same storylines back again, but, like, shooting is still a concern, a huge concern with this team. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm sure you are, too. I think to kind of just at least flip a page, all these concerns are there about the future of this team, the makeup of this team, what Pascal's future looks like and all this stuff. But at least in the interim now, we get to look at these storylines.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it'd be exciting to see what it actually looks like on the court. Obviously, we'll have the first preseason game uh, this Sunday. Yeah. And then they will play Karen's. And then they're the playing the after. Cairns. Can't believe it, man.
1: I'm going to need to learn a few. So why don't we take the break? If Let's there's anything else from Media Day you want to talk about when you come back, we can get to that. Yeah. If not, maybe we can bounce around the NBA a little, talk about a few
0: other teams. All right. Uh, we, we'll decide that in the break. But for now, I've been your host, Will Lou. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
2: Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett.
1: Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you
2: get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Ben Lue, me joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong as we uh, head into the final segment uh, from down here at Media Day. Uh, we are going to pivot towards NBA news, but I just wanted to wrap up three quick things uh, that caught my eye uh, from the uh, the Raptors at the press conference. This first one comes from friend of the program, Oren Weisfeld. He says, regarding Darko, Gary Trent Jr. says he has been in the NBA for six years. And this is the most conversations he's had with a head coach. Your wow. thoughts.
1: That's a, that's a really positive development. That's great to hear. I
0: guess my first thought is what does this say about,
1: wait, do we have a list of Gary Trent Jr.'s coaches? So Terry Stotts, I believe, yeah. was Portland. And then Nick Nurse. Is the that man, it? The man with the long neck? That might be it. Um, I think that might be it. No this, Trailblazers no, this is positive because I think yeah. as, you, as you're looking it up, I think, there's just a lot of questions about like what kind of relationships, um, you know, the players are going to build with Darko. You yeah, know, we, we we just don't know anything about Darko, right? Uh-huh. Like we just don't know what he's going to be like as a head coach. Certainly, we've learned about his, you know, player development pass as an assistant and things like that. And I think whenever you're moving on from a from an old coach, uh, from a coach that you're letting go and you bring someone in, it's like you want them to have the qualities that the previous coach maybe didn't have. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's just how it goes in sports, man.
2: Yeah, that's how it goes you know? in
1: like a lot of things, um, yeah, right. like relationships and such. But what? Um,
0: <laughs> oh man, <laughs> oh brother!
1: Yeah. By the way, thanks everyone for their birthday wishes. Uh, appreciate everybody. Let me know if you we need any Amazon links. I have a lot of on my uh, birthday wish list. Um, but Gary, no, I think this is a great yeah. development. So I, a, I think a it's a, a great plus
0: A plus news item. Appreciate yeah. you on that. Um, you know, just just thinking back because I read this quote, and the first thing I thought about was we had um, we talked to Gary. Like, after the trade deadline, but before, uh, but before the All-Star break. There was, like, one week in between. And we okay. talked to Gary then. And the Raptors had added Yaka Pirtle. Right. And they had some injuries at that time. So, Gary was starting, and then Yak was starting, too. But I think the, cons- the question I asked them was, like, you know, so now that everyone's healthy, uh, who's actually going to go to the bench? Because mm. I think Gary and Precious were starting at, m- at various points uh, last season. And Gary was, like, yeah, I actually don't know. And the game was to be played the next day, and that was after practice. You know what I mean? So maybe he was just hiding it. Uh, obviously, it was Gary who ultimately went to the bench. Or maybe there wasn't a lot of
1: communication. You're o- saying?
0: Or I'm thinking about the other side, and you know, maybe hey, communication listen. could have been improved.
1: You make a really good point because, like, a lot of times last season, Gary was, you know, flip flopping between roles, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. As a starter and to the bench, and you know, famously, you know, he was one of the players that Nick called out. Yep. During the season, Yep. so not that saying that's a bad thing. Like we've seen a history of Nick uh, when he was here, you know, of that working out. Like I, I don't think just it because it can not be your go-to move, though. You know what I mean? Like, well, the, I just think when it works out, you don't talk about exactly it. Exactly, MJ with the fadeaway. Like. <laughs> when it works out, you don't talk about it. Uh, okay. But when right. a coach is on his way out, yeah. then you start highlighting that stuff, right? Mm. Yeah, I may or may not work for Nick Nurse's agency <laughs>
0: um, based on that response. <laughs> uh, what else? What else you yeah. got, Will Lou? Uh, so that was point number one, Gary talking about the coaching. Um, so good things about Darko. Another good thing about Darko, this one from uh, another friend of the program, Eric Kareen over at The Athletic. Uh, you said this was Yaka Pertl, uh, in regards to Darko's offense. Quote, there's a pretty big difference in core principles, end quote. So mm-hmm. another comparison, head coaching-wise. Uh, yeah, your thoughts, man, your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I'm a
1: – I'm the expert on core principles yeah. um, when it comes to – I hear
0: you talking about slot cuts all the time. Uh,
1: what, what? That's Like I told you often, yeah. that's what I order at Subway. Um, but, no, again, this just builds I, – I, I think the whole training camp is going to be b- about us building an understanding of not just Darko's offense but just Darko's personality and mm. approach with the team. Yeah. So that's really, like, for me, like, I know we talked about this last segment too. Like, that's for me is, like – like but my thing is like okay you can change your offensive system you can change your schemes and all of that stuff but is there enough talent on this roster yeah. to execute because hey you know I, I i don't think nick had like a terrible approach to to offense like you can mm-hmm. gripe about that but it's yeah. like at the end of the day when you look at the shooting numbers when you look at the half court numbers when you look at the pull-up numbers all this stuff it's like when they're 28th and 29th and all that stuff how much of it is the coach drawing up setting up a system how much of it is because it's a flawed roster
0: no that's fair and and i think that there's definitely shortages on both ends i would even say there's more shortages on the roster side than the coaching side hmm. but at the same time when you look at just half court execution the raptors have been you know below average if not severely below average For several of the last few seasons under Nick Nurse, the only one year that they were great at it was Kawhi. Now, obviously, we had the talent at that time, Kawhi and also the rest of the team, where obviously we played at a championship level. Uh, But, yeah, since then, the half-court offense, you know, just hasn't been strong. And I think there has to be something said about, like, look, there has to be something about a coach where you get more out of your talent Right, because why would you hire? Why would you be hired as coach? You can't get more out of your talent versus the next guy. Right, right. So there has to be a better, you know. Um, well,
1: listen, the the whole pitch on Darko, the whole understanding is, he has a rich history of uh, developing players. Right, like Desmond Bain, I think was sure. one example yep. that was tossed around yep. over and over again during the summer. So I think there should be an expectation. I don't know, if fair or not, yeah. that he's going to be able to take some of the players on this roster that people think have underperformed yeah. and be able to turn them into something
0: better. Like I don't know. If, do you think that's unfair to expect? No, I mean, look, I'm not expecting him to sort of like you know uh, make ch- chicken salad, you know, in this situation, uh, so to speak. <laughs> but like, at the same time, I, I never do heard wanna... you use that analogy before. Yeah, you know, it's I just... a new new bag this year. Oh, for you. A lot of things you learn in ESL. Uh, new back bag. In the day. Uh, but, I mean, ultimately that's the mark of a great coach, right? Like what can you take out of this situation and, and sort of what can you change to it? And clearly it needed to change. So we're going to see a lot of .5 basketball. Um, part of my concern is like, okay, you can create better shots but, or, or maybe even take better shots. If the shooters aren't good, then, you, you know, you're not going to make shots, right? You can create more shots for a 30% three-point shooter, but that's not necessarily a great thing. However, I think the bet here is that if you create a better shot, for a poor shooter, maybe he shoots like an average shooter because he's so much more open or so much more in rhythm. So, again, those are all things that we'll have to see. Uh, the third point that I want to bring up, and the last one from Raptors uh, Media Day before we transition to the rest of the league, is uh, Scotty Barnes saying, quote, I feel really good, put on some more muscle, gain about 9 pounds, first time I've been about 240. So, Scotty Barnes, so uh, Scotty is now six nine, six ten, 6'10", yeah. and 240. Okay. He might be the like obviously Yaku's the biggest guy on the team, but outside of him, like like there has there has obviously been work that he's put into his body. Masai talked about that. Masai talked about how Scotty worked really hard in the off season to improve his conditioning. Sure. And yeah, I'm hoping that leads to I think we all have seen the ability from Scotty from, from spurts and, and, and flashes. But can we see that consistency like you know, what did we see in the fourth quarter for example from Scotty where he takes over and he has these like five minute stretches of brilliance. Mm-hmm. Can we see that over the course of the whole game? Because I think that so much of his ability is already within him. He just needs to sustain over longer periods. And hopefully that comes down to conditioning. And with improved conditioning, we see improved uh, production.
1: Yeah. No, this is, um, I guess this is like a standard uh, media day training camp, like muscle watch. Yeah, it really is not a media day without muscle watch. Yeah, you get that a lot. But I'm totally with you, I think. I know we haven't had a chance to dive into Scotty today. But the, the inconsistency was really the big thing last year, right? Mm. Like, I remember so many games, like you mentioned, where didn't feel him in the game. And at times when you look at the box score, you didn't feel it too, right? He was at zero points going into the fourth quarter. Sure. Um, and, and I think sometimes that speaks to his talent too, how he's still able to impact games. Yeah. Even when he's only showing up in those spurts. So, I mean, we'll, we'll get into a longer discussion, obviously, about Scotty, But, the uh, yeah, the muscle watch is on. Yeah, there we go. All, All right. right. So what, what, what happened around the league? Around the league, the biggest news today, Yep, Wange Bomb. Uh, James Harden did not report to Media Day in Philadelphia. And I think it's been well known that there isn't, you know, unlike the Dame Lillard situation where, you know, shouts to the moleskin notebook (laughs) god Joe Cronin taking notes. I'm calling him the mole (laughs) from now on. (laughs) Taking notes on uh, criminal conspiracies and trade rumors. Um, You know, there isn't an imminent trade for James Harden here. Like it's not like, you know, it's not like, the Blazers situation where they could have shipped Dame to, like, any type of scenario or, like, four or five different scenarios. It's been reported, you know, Clippers is the team that James Harden wants to go to, Mm -hmm. but there just is no traction on a deal at the moment. And this is one of the reasons why James Harden showed up to a club last week and had one of the hostesses at the club uh, put up a Daryl Morey as a liar sign as he walked in with sparklers um, into bottle service. It's because – uh, the Sixers are not engaged in any act- active talks right now, and you might have thought they might have snuck in maybe a Drew Holiday deal, maybe a three-way deal, sent Harden to Clippers, uh, worked something out. But yeah, that's that's the news right now coming out of Philadelphia, and this is coming off Joel Embiid tweeting yesterday in uh, sarcastically that it's been a fun off season yeah. after the Drew Holiday trade happened. So. Uh, what is your uh, what is your concern level for our beloved rivals, the Philadelphia— uh, Nick Nurse's Philadelphia 76ers.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm rubbing my hands together like a cartoon villain at the downfall of the Sixers. I'm praying on it, and, uh, mm. you know, I'm obviously coming from a biased perspective. Um, I, I think actually the funniest thing to me is just, like, you know, not to say that I— Go to clubs ever really, but like <laughs> yeah, you know, the last time you were at a club. Uh, I think when the Raptors won the championship, actually. Oh wow! You, yeah, you, you know what happened, but like it's got turned Oracle into a club. No, 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 no. <laughs> when we come back to Toronto, it was great. But oh, okay. You know when when an average civilian goes to the club, mm. you're waiting in line. Uh, you're probably wearing you know some kind of nice outfit. Mm. You may be going in with like three or four people, and mm. you know you're going that club, and you know you, you're doing what you're doing. When James Harden goes to the club, it was like the like the club actually walked in when James Harden walked in. There was like 50 people with them. Including maybe PJ Tucker was one of them. I think they were actually watching an MLS match. Uh, apparently Harden's like a part owner of the Houston Dynamo. Oh yeah, they cuz they're playing. Well, this Inter is the, Miami. Okay,
1: This is a funny subplot of of Harden being the co-owner of a uh, Houston Dynamo. Yeah. Cuz I
0: think Harden was just positioning himself all last season to go back to Houston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously to watch the Dynamo games. You can you can't miss <laughs> yeah. watching the Dynamo games, but like, you know, like Him going to the club is just totally different. And obviously, yeah, that's probably the first time we've seen bottle service with a sign that says Daryl Morey is a liar. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a a very toxic situation. There's no need, obviously, to bring him to media day. And we'll see if he reports, right? I think that's the next deadline is I think there's like 30 days for James to report because he's healthy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if he ultimately does report, uh, what that's going to cause problems in terms of Philly. And I think, honestly, this is probably one of my favorite, like, Running media day gags just as long alongside of like Muscle Watch is just which Sixer is going to be disgruntled at media day Mm. because it was with it was you know Ben Simmons before that it was Markel Fultz before that like there's just I don't know there's just never like a calm media day yeah in Philly and so I'm excited there's two player podcasts in Philly as well Patrick, oh, Beverly Patrick Beverly and Tyrese, Tyrese Maxi. Yeah, they got all saying? podcast
1: backcourt. Yeah. So just I mean, keep it subscribed to the Raptor Show. We'll, I, we'll we'll actually be the number one Sixers podcast as well this season.
0: Yeah, when they when well, shout out to Ricky Sanchez and all the. Local yeah, yeah, Broncos, for sure, for sure. But, we don't want to disrespect. I, I'm just saying, I'm I'm rubbing my hands at this whole idea because again, like, you know, it, it, Toronto didn't have a good off season. Philadelphia definitely did not have a good (laughs) offseason. Well, this is
1: this is when you know the Raptors might be down bad too. Though when you're just looking at other people's misery and being like, you know what. Maybe but here's uh, the thing. they had it worse than us.
0: Uh, they actually have more urgency because they have Joel. Okay, okay. They got the MVP, and they're wasting his time. Listen. We're not really wasting anybody's time in Toronto. We're just trying to figure our own stuff out. I like know? that. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're saying we're in a better okay. – No, me as a hater, I, I'm loving this. Listen, yeah.
1: you know, I, I was, I'll probably debut this hot take again when we do, like, season predictions at some point yeah. on, on our daily show. But – you know, my number one prediction right now is that the Sixers are going to be a play-in team this season. Ooh. Because, here, okay. let me let me break it down a little bit All since right. we have, All like, right. five minutes here. Milwaukee, obviously, you expect them to be at the top. I mean, they're already at the top. Top six, at least, obviously. Milwaukee-Boston, let's just slot them in, right? Yeah, of course. Milwaukee-Boston. I like Cleveland as a regular season team. You can gripe about them mm. as a playoff team, but they okay. won fifty one games. Yeah. And I feel like they will be the same or improved, possibly. They added Max Struce and George Nier. That's right. Oh, whoa. Wow. Okay. Um uh, the Knicks. I think I like the Knicks at, at this level that they're at right now. Okay. Like I feel like that's a top six team to me. Alright. So that's four. Okay. Then maybe if I feel good about Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, why oh, not? Wow, they're making a jump. All right. Okay. You know what? Forget Atlanta. Let's put Miami in there. Oh, okay. Miami right. had to go through the play in last year. Yeah. Wouldn't be? Would you be shocked if Miami? Miami just needed to win like one more game last year to be in the top six. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so, fair. So that's, that's fair. five yeah. already, yeah. right? Yeah. So to me. I don't know. Maybe a surprise team. I don't know if Indiana's ready yet to make that mm, jump. I do like Indiana. Maybe I don't know. Again, I'm not. I'm not saying Atlanta's going to be this great team, but yeah, would yeah. it shock you if they won 45 no, 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 games? No, 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 You're right. You're right. Right. Yeah. So suddenly, if if I put those five teams ahead of Philly, which I might, because I feel like the roster's gone a little bit depleted here. Yeah. And even without James Harden, depending on what you get as a return, James is
0: averaging 20 and 10. Right, he led the league in assists. Right,
1: so yeah. I don't know if you let this situation run the course, like a ben Simmons situation, and it gets to the trade deadline, who knows what you're going to get. Uh, we don't, we don't wish injuries on any player, but no, who no, knows, no. We're right? Not that, we're not like, that like let's hater, say no. if injuries crop up, like they can't deal with an extended absence sure. from Joel Embiid, especially with the roster so thin right now,
0: right? Yeah. My, so my only pushback on this is, yeah. you, you know, our 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 boy Nick Nurse is coaching the team. So, and, what and do Nick you think? Nick is going to play his best players the most minutes possible. Well,
1: that might not be good long-term. <laughs> that's that's going to be gonna good, gonna good for regulars and
0: success, though. We know that. You, you know who is
1: the biggest fan of the player resting policy? <laughs> was Nick Nurse. Yeah, Nick. <laughs> He's yeah. like, you know what? Can I put two votes on that? Nick's like... No rest for players? <laughs> it's like, they got to play a minimum of 65
0: games? How about 75 games? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I like that. Um, quickly, just have a minute here. Um, quick reaction on Drew Holiday going to Boston.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Boston paid full price uh, for it, but, I mean, when you're at the top and you have real, you know, like a real desperation to get that next championship, then, uh, wow, Dennis Schroeder just walking past with a Dennis Schroeder personalized not a man, City. man City kit. Let's go wow. Man
1: City. Top of the table still?
0: Uh, no, actually, I think they, they, well,
1: maybe. Listen, the Wolves the Wolves ate them up this weekend, but it's a it's a brief right. stumble.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your, your man Pepper Guardiola tried to shade a Korean man, and he actually scored the game-winning goal. Yeah. Uh, but, no, I mean, like, I think it's just a sign of when you're really ambitious and you're actually trying to win the championship, you get the best players on any team possible. Like to me, this Drew Holiday trade to me feels very much like that Marcus All trade. You get that last piece and yes you pay full value. Like I think the Raptors giving up J V and Delon Wright, that was really full value for Marcus All at that time. But you do it when you feel like you're gonna win a championship if you do it. And I think that's what they did in this case. So I, I hate to say I hate to hand it to the Boston Celtics of all teams, but they have a real ambition to win the championship, and when you have that real ambition, this is the type of move you make. Because when you have the starting five healthy, that starting five is sick. And also, I want to see Drew Holiday match up against Damian Lillard all over again because people might remember this back when the Western Conference finals or semifinals a couple years back. It was uh, the Pelicans versus the, uh, the Trailblazers. Oh, okay. Drew Holiday put the absolute clamps this. to
1: Damian Lillard. Okay. So we'll see. We'll yeah, so that's it. Uh, that wraps it up from from Media Day. Appreciate everyone for for joining us. Make sure. Um, yeah, you tune in
0: October 16th. We're back. That's right. at 4 p.m. show. Uh, so, yeah, I've been your host, Willu, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sports Night Radio Network. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please rate and review the show. Thanks once again to Yaka Proto, OJ Anobi producer and co-host Alex Long, and producer Lance Kennedy, and Stephen Coyle, and JR Manitap for helping us behind the scenes for Media Day. Uh, we will talk to you soon.